Welcome back to another episode with CFB Paint. You've got Brian, Steve, and Court all on the call today. We're going to go through a few more conference previews, but first, a little bit more flirtation in the conference realignment space. Florida State making some waves, trying to get out of that grant of rights at the ACC, and potentially some suitors out there who they're trying to woo. Steve, do you want to give us an update on the realignment talk and rumors that have gone around? Yeah, hard to focus at work today for bits and pieces as, as Twitter was blowing up or X was blowing up. I just, there are lots going on. Uh, first of all, Florida State obviously had a board of trustees meeting um, where they're, you know, it, it, to me is interesting where I compare that with some of the other moves, right? There's a lot of noise coming out of Tallahassee, but if you think of all the players that have already moved conferences you hear maybe whispers and some intel but not a whole lot of actual people speaking on the record and what that tells me is there's a lot of bluster and they're trying to destabilize the ACC in order to get out but there is no immediate plan for them to get out you think about it Colorado didn't say anything until they voted right uh, Texas Oklahoma USC UCLA none of them were like hey, we need to get out of the conference. They all just kind of moved in silence. And Florida State's doing the opposite. And I think the reason for that is because they know that they're stuck unless they dismantle the ACC. And so they are trying to create insecurity amongst the, the rest of the conference to try and break up the league or try and at least get others to, to join them in the exodus. We will see if it works. I... I, for our listeners that maybe aren't as well versed in this situation, essentially, from what I've heard from reporting from you know, Bud Elliott and Chris Nee of both of, of 247-CBS Sports, want to give credit where I got that, this information, uh, August 15th is kind of a, a line in the sand for them to declare that they're leaving in order to be in a different conference in 2024. Nothing's going to affect the current season, uh, but that would be the latest date that they could do something to make a change for 2024 so uh, we're approximately two weeks out and we'll see what comes of that but the way i read into this is they are trying to make others insecure so they can potentially try and, and challenge the grant of rights and get out but what i hear with all of that and comparing it with the other situations is there's really nothing for them to do except complain really loudly and hope others join yeah steve i think about it as a big dog pulling into a big chain a little bit like they're stuck there they're, that grant of rights is stuck till 2036 like the acc espn has no advantage or no there's no reason for them to change that to give it up to allow, allow anybody out but what they are doing is saying hey your time is limited it's not going to make it to 2036 as soon as we think we can break free and we can deal with the damages we're going to deal with the damages and so if you want to potentially stop that from happening you got to make some changes across across the acc i think it's their way of mitigating the potential damages that may happen if they can't get out of this grant of rights eventually and they end up being 30 million 50 million etc behind um if they can sit there and bluff as much they allow the acc to change and and adjust to them and then they'll still leave when they get the chance but they won't leave until that and they're gonna make a big fuss until they get something out of that because they have to like in reality it's their only play um you got to make everybody else uncomfortable in hopes that they kind of feed to your, your, your need yours and Clemson's. And then if they don't, well, they already know what's coming. It's not a repercussion. It was a warning. And so if you don't want that warning shot to happen, you're going to help feed the big dog. And that's how it is right now. 
Yeah, and Corey mentioned that 2036 year. So one of the, the the complicating factor, if you're not as familiar with the situation, is that the media deal for the ACC goes through the year 2036. And most media deals don't go that long. Um, we just saw Colorado say they're going to the Big 12. And the reason they're able to do that so freely is because their deal is up after this season. Florida State is locked in with the ACC for a long time. And so it's a matter of, hey, we've got to find a way to break this deal so that we can have uh, – Back, we can have back our media rights uh, and make money off of it when we go to a new conference because that's what the new conference is going to want from you. Is they're going to want the ability to show you on TV and to make money off of you. Um, so it's it's definitely a situation of a tough situation to get out of as far as the contract goes and the grant of rights agreement. Uh, but also they're trying to not only break that through but make sure that they are reminding uh, the, the big players, which would be the SEC and the Big Ten, hey, we're still here and we are a big brand and we will bring a lot of money to whoever's going to take us next. And so it, it comes on a, a couple fronts. You know, they want to break it from the ACC overall, but also it is a game of musical chairs and you need a landing spot. And Florida State's saying, hey, save, a, save us from at the table. I think we'll hear a lot in the next couple of weeks just because that uh, August 15th date is coming up. And then after that, it probably will die down for quite a bit until the, the off season. And then it'll be a, another... You know, can we break our, ourselves of it before next August 15th, the next uh, chance we have to announce we're going to be leaving next season? So we'll see if anything gets done in the immediate term. I wouldn't get too overexcited, but uh, certainly something that we'll see recur until it does happen. <laughs> I, I've got a prediction. Uh, I think the ACC will call Florida State's bluff and just kind of not do anything. And I think that that deadline will come and go without any announcement. So at least for one more year beyond 2023, Florida State will remain in the ACC. Just a little prediction of mine. I figure they're making all this noise. Again, comparing the situations with those that have left, it's just different. And, and obviously there's different mechanics with those different conferences. But uh, uh, just one more note on realignment. We talked to ACC, but it's really interesting. There's been a lot of buzz today about the Big 12 potentially taking the four corner schools from the Pac-12, also the Big 10 potentially getting involved the schools that were reported as kind of hypothetical new additions would be Washington, Oregon, Cal, and Stanford to the big 10. Uh, so it, it's interesting that realignment's kind of moving on all fronts. And the one thing I'll just say, like in the, the silence here is like the, the, the one entity that is being very quiet right now is the sec and they usually move in silence. So I don't know anything, but to me it says like it says a lot that they're not saying anything. If that makes sense. Yeah, and that's the one where I think, you know, it looks like in our collective opinion, it's going to be tough for Florida State to make any move, especially this year, not this year, but going into 2024. Uh, but currently, ESPN is the one who owns the rights for the ACC deal. They also own the rights for the SEC deal, and so ESPN potentially would be the one who would lose out if Florida State were to go to a Big Ten. Um, so there is some incentive there to make sure that, hey, it, we think we're locked in now, but long term, this has been a brand that's bringing in good revenue. Let's make sure we're, we're keeping that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so far, moving in silence, the ICC um, and the networks will, will do the same until they're able to to finalize things and, and get things going. Um, but with that, we'll end conference leader alignment talk. Uh, it can be fun, but it's also mostly speculative and Nothing happens until it does. Uh, the Colorado thing was pretty quick when it occurred. I think this will be the same way, um, but there will be tons of rumblings until something does happen. Uh, with that, we're going to dive right into our Big Ten preview, and we're going to go division by division. So we're, this is one of the 
last two conferences that have divisions. Uh, and I believe it's just for the last year that they have it. Uh, I think 2023 is the last year for both the Big Ten and SEC to have separate divisions as they expand and bring in USC and UCLA and Texas and Oklahoma, respectively. They'll switch uh, to a different model. But as of right now, we still have the traditional Big Ten East and Big Ten West. Steve, you want to start off with the Big Ten? Uh, let's start off with the West. Um, I think the East can be a little bit more zesty. Um, but give us your, your 7-1 to one rankings for what you expect the, the final outcome of the Big Ten West to be. And you say that the East could be more spicy. I'm imagining because there may be differences of opinion on the, the top of that because it seems a little top-heavy and, and maybe there are differences of opinion. But the West, to me, this is the second year where we've done our win totals draft and people have drafted people out of the West thinking someone has to win games in that division. And I found myself kind of in that same spot where it's like, I could see about five of the seven winning the, <laughs> winning the division and, and playing in the Big Ten Championship. But I'll start uh, – we're going top to bottom? like first uh, Bottom to top. Through seven. Bottom to top. Okay. Uh, first one, no-brainer, Northwestern. Moving on. Uh, second, I've got Minnesota. I, I just don't see it. I don't – I think – I don't know. I, I just – they lost a, a fair amount uh, of maybe not super, super elite talent, but continuity there with Tanner Morgan, uh, Mo Ibrahim. You don't have those players anymore. So uh, with that in mind, I think Minnesota maybe takes a step back. I know that they're pretty happy or pretty excited about the, the new quarterback whose name is now escaping me, and I wouldn't be able to pronounce it even if I had it. Um, but uh, Kalia Kamanis, I think, is how you say it, actually. Now I think it just came yeah, back to Al my head. Athlon? Athlon? Sure. Uh I, I don't know. Sorry. I uh, didn't mean that to be rude or disrespectful. Just, uh, I think that he's more of a thrower than, uh, uh, than the Tanner Morgan, or at least a more reliable passer of the football. So may, maybe you have something there. I, I just, there's enough uncertainty at, at Minnesota with some of the returning production that I, I've got them lower. Uh, and, and it's also commentary on the next, like I said, five of the seven, I could see winning in the, the, I guess that would be the fifth spot. I've got Purdue which I actually like Purdue. Like I, I like Purdue. I just, I think that there's a lot of these teams that are going there's, I think it's going to be a bloodbath in the big 10 West. So uh, Purdue, if it all comes together, they could be pretty strong. They're having to replace a lot of production, both uh, you know, replacing quarterback, replacing top receiver, uh, new coach, new offensive system. Uh, I, I like some of the pieces. I like the offensive coordinator that Walters brought in. Uh, we mentioned this on the last pod. Or on the win totals pod, perhaps, which was the last one, wasn't it? Uh, so I, I like some of the pieces, but they have to gel, and I'm just not sure what that's going to look like. Uh, Nebraska, to me, is a little bit maybe a risky position at, at the fourth spot there, but I, I trust Matt Rule. I think that he's a good coach. I think he'll get people pulling in the same direction, and that's all you need to win a couple of games in the Big Ten West, in my opinion. It's just if you're organized and, and you're, you're all – kind of aligned on what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish that can that can get you pretty far after that in the third spot i've got iowa need to see the offense before i can believe it uh, like the pieces that they've picked up but need to see how it works with uh with brian ference uh two i've got wisconsin again i'm a little wary of that one just it feels very similar to like miami of last year where new coach comes into a situation that doesn't look like a rebuild from the, from the outside, 
but maybe it just takes a little bit of retooling before it can really get rolling. So I, I, I'm not predicting them to win. Give me the fighting Illini of Illinois, Brett Bielema. You know, they, I think that they will have a similar quarterback play with the, the transfer. Oh gosh, his name's now escaped me. Old Miss Luke Altmeyer is the name mm-hmm. of him. There we go. Uh, the defense I think is, is still going to be pretty salty. Uh, I, and I trust trust him to be able to put together a pretty solid ground game to help the QB. So uh, give me the Illini to win the Big Ten West. All right, we've got Steve's list. Corey, you want to follow him up? Yeah, uh, Steve, are you uh, tallying what the end of anything is? Going to put all our rankings and give us a tally at the end of this? Yeah, it's a little bit more difficult since you have to choose both a an East and West. Yeah, but uh, we, we can the... certainly give it for the divisions. But exactly. I don't know if we can choose like an overall champ. With no, the same I point thing. That's what we should do. Okay. All right. Um, Brian, you said the other East is more spicy. I think this is way more spicy because I agree with Steve. Five teams can win this, but his five are not the same five as my five. So <laughs> I have Northwestern at the bottom. I mean, the debacle that is right there is, is, is sad to see. Hopefully they can get out of it. Um, Steve has a little bit more faith in the Huskers than I do. Um, I, I know they're bringing in Jeff Sims. They've got uh, – Matt Rule, but I'm not a – unlike Steve, I'm not a Matt Rule believer. Uh, I feel like he's done okay in, in some situations, but I've got to see you prove it again when you've been in the off in the NFL. Um, at five, I have Purdue. Um, I'm not as high as, as Steve is, I think, on them. Or were you at six on them, Steve? No, we're the same. Okay, five. Okay. Then I went Minnesota. So I think I switched, like, the Huskers in Minnesota with Steve. I've got a little bit more uh, belief in P.J. Flack. He's built a, a culture. I know that they have to replace their running back. They got the number six overall transfer running back from Western Michigan. And then we just talked about the, the new quarterback. They're pretty hyped on. He's a former four-star. Uh, so they have the talent. It's just a matter of kind of setting in. Um, at number three, I have I have Illinois. Um, I know Steve thinks they're going to win it. I think they're a good squad. They showed that they were a good squad, but they didn't show that they were top level last year, and I think they're kind of the same. Um They've got Luke Altmeyer, like you said, and and we'll see how he does because he's a transfer for a reason. Um, at number two, I I have suspicions that I could get this wrong, but like Steve, all the pieces appear to be there for Wisconsin, but can they make them work? And that's what I'm like, number two. And at number one, I'm putting my faith in Iowa finally. I'm going to say <laughs> they get it together, they got the talent, and if you can't get the – if they can only score 25 points a game, they win this division. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think there's a good argument to be made for that. <laughs> Certainly if historical data is any evidence. So um, I, I guess, yeah, I thought we'd have more disagreement on the other division, but definitely we, we're all over the place on this one. I, I'll start from the bottom with mine. The one place we can all agree is Northwestern. Enough said. At number six, I have Purdue, uh, and I just think it's a, a rebuilding year. I don't think there's a bad trajectory there. I think Walters is a good hire. I think he did a really good job as the D.C. at Illinois, um, and I love Graham Harrell as a coordinator, but you lost a lot of talent. Um, some of it followed his coach. Some of it graduated. Some of it went to the NFL. Um, so I, I think it's just a little bit of a talent dip, uh, but not a, a long-term issue for the, the program overall. Number five, I have Illinois. Um, part of what made Illinois such a – tough team last year is the defense um which they've lost their dc and they lost witherspoon to the nfl they so they've lost some decent talent on that side and i don't think 
I'm skeptical of Altmaier. Um, not because I know anything, because there's not a lot of tape you're going off of, but I feel like Lane Kiffin could have kept him if he wanted to. Um, and Tommy DeVito, I think, was doing a good job there. I don't think he's unbelievably elite or irreplaceable. Um, but yeah, kind of in believe it when I see it mode, waiting for for that for the fighting Illini. Uh, number four, I have Nebraska. Looking at Matt Rule's first years at Temple and at Baylor, slow to start. That doesn't mean everything, uh, especially when the or in the the transfer portal era where you can microwave it a little bit and get things going a little bit quicker. Uh, I I think he's a good coach. I just don't know what to expect in year one. You know, I I don't think it's going to be magical. Um, as much as I think it would be really fun to watch, I, I they will have their their own troubles through the season. Um, so that got them number four. I have Minnesota up at number three. Um, I think they've got decent talent, skill position. I I like PJ Flex still. Um, the tricky part here for me, and what maybe consider putting them much lower, is they have both Ohio State and Michigan as cross division. Um, so it, it's definitely going to be an uphill battle to that place. But I I genuinely think they're the third best team in the division, um, and I think that will will play out on the field. Number two, I have Iowa. Uh, I think the defense will do well. I think the offense will do slightly better, but not uh, a substantial leap there. And then number one, I've got Wisconsin. Uh, I think that that should be the team that wins it out. Uh, it'll be really interesting to see Phil Longo's offense going into Wisconsin. It'll be very different than what we're used to, but I think Braylon Allen's up for a phenomenal year if they can get a few more defenders uh, out on the edges and lighten up the box just a little bit for him. Uh, could be a, a big year for him. And then I like Mordecai coming in at quarterback, uh, kind of a steady hand, a proven person who's done it at, you know, the FBS level. I, I'm optimistic for what Luke Fickle can do with, at Wisconsin in year one. So that'll round that one out. Uh, any thoughts or, or questions on each other's rankings, Corey? Um, I love the, the metaphor that you just used of microwaving your, your team. By using the transfer portal, did you make that up? That is an incredible metaphor. No, I, I what it, heck, I just watched the show Community, and they talk about microwaving a relationship. So I think that's what what came through to me was microwaving this, you know, this rebuild. You can you used to have to bake, and it takes a long time for that oven to heat up, and now you can kind of kind of get that process going pretty quick. Dude, that that's a great analogy. I, I I do believe in my heart of hearts that Wisconsin probably will win this, but I want to pick Iowa because I want to believe in them. And I want to see them actually score on offense. <laughs> but I think – I don't know how you go wrong with Luke Fickle. I'm just nervous that it will go wrong. So, And by wrong, I mean yeah. second place. <laughs> no, I understand. And I think it, really there is a host of different teams that could uh, end up topping this one. But that's just kind of going to shake out for just uh, a little bit. We'll give Steve some more time to work on uh, the, the sheet there, unless, unless you're ready for us. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, uh, I mean, we can talk the other one, and and as we talk through the full conference, I can kind of crunch the, uh, all right. the divisions. Well, why don't you take so, us through your, your East? Oh, Corey, real quick. One more comment, though. Like, Wisconsin does play Ohio State, and Iowa has the easier. They don't play – I mean, the hardest person that they play from the East is Penn State. So, That's like, fair. there's I, interesting. I think, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a distance in talent between Penn State and Ohio State. They're both supposed to be top, top teams this year, but – if my team's going up against one or the other, I, I know I feel a different sort of way about it. So that that's a good point thing to point out there. Uh, Steve, do you want to take us through your East? Yes, let's do it. Give me just a second here. Okay. All right. So 
on the east side, um, I really could probably flip a coin between uh, six and seven, but I've got Indiana finishing last in the division. Um, feel like they had a moment there, a nice little spark in the 2020 season. I feel like they've lost quite a bit of that mojo and, and more importantly, quite a few of those players. Uh, after that, I've got Rutgers, Scarlet Knights at six. Uh, and maybe an outside chance that they could catch five. Five, I've got Michigan State. I I don't I don't see things going very well for him this year, uh, and, and the question becomes how does yeah how does our coach turn around and their coach Mel Tucker there it is his name just left me but how does Mel Tucker turn around although at Big Ten Media Days he was like said this is his most talented roster since he's been there so uh, okay uh build build up those expectations mel we'll see how they we'll see how that goes i i don't think it's gonna go well um but but i i've been wrong before and i will be wrong again but i don't think i'm wrong on this one number four maryland the terrapins kind of uh, in my opinion there's like tiers of this conference you know redgers and indiana like i mentioned are, are kind of close michigan state is a step above them I think another step above them is Maryland, and there's like three or four steps, and then you get to the the upper echelon of the the East Division. But Maryland, I think, kind of in a class of its own, where it's not really a contender, but in my opinion, clearly separated from the others. Uh, I think that they've been doing a really good job under Mike Loxley, and uh, he's he's a solid coach and a really good strong recruiter. Uh, number three, I've got Penn State. I, I I'm kind of in see it to believe it mode. And mostly because they're playing against two of the most talented teams in the country in their division. So in any other conference, they'd probably be a conference favorite, not the SEC, but like anywhere else I'd be like, oh yeah, of course they're going to challenge for the, for the title. Uh, I, I just need to see it. And I haven't yet from, from Penn state, or at least not since 2016. Number two, I've got Ohio state. They're kind of in the prove it to me mode now as well uh, with uh, particularly with I mean, Michigan style has now beaten them up twice. And so I got to see it uh, in that game. It really, in my opinion, the, the the choice between one and two boils down to that head-to-head matchup. And whether or not you believe Michigan or Ohio State's going to win, it's in Ann Arbor again. You get a strong Michigan offensive line. You get both Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards back running the football. Uh, Ohio State's got to show us something. And, and they got to show us something that uh, that they haven't shown in the last couple of years. So uh, give me the Michigan Wolverines to win the East. All right, my turn, Steve, Bry. Yeah, yeah, take us through. All right. Um, I feel like – Stephen talked about how this conference is in, like, different tiers. I feel like this conference is basically a stair, stairway. Each team is on another level by itself. There is no – and it's, it, to me, it looks very clear. And the craziest thing is, is Steve nailed my set one through seven, like right away. At seven, <laughs> I have Indiana. At six, I have Rutgers. At five, I have Michigan State. I think it's funny that he talked about his this being his most talented class. Like, yeah, you can have a talented team, but when your team was trash, Kenneth Walker III, like, covered your entire team, right? He he was the Dalvin Cook for Michigan State. There, there were games against Miami that Florida State should not have won that Dalvin Cook single-handedly won, and it was the same way with Kenneth Walker. Um, at four, I have Maryland. Three, I have Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. I agree with Steve. The winner of this conference comes down to that game. I I just believe that 
Jim Harbaugh has shown that he's got Ryan Day's number right now, that he's his offense is not afraid to flinch or, or doesn't flinch in the face of a hard, tough game, and they will run you over if they need you to win a game. And forgive my heart for going back into the olden days and, and not believing that always passing wins. Sometimes running the ball down someone's throat wins the game every time, and that's where my heart lies, and I think that's what they can do. Um, not to say that J.J. McCarthy isn't a great quarterback. The fact that he has the options to pass and they can run it down your throat is going to be an issue. I just don't see it. I know Ohio State has great wide receiver core, but we'll see. Corey, what if J.J. McCarthy just gets better from last year? That's I my know. thing. It's like, man, it, he wasn't bad by any stretch. No. And, and I don't think the offense really like requires him to be like a superstar. But even if he just gets incrementally better, everything else works that much better. Uh, because I do expect them to be able to run the football against basically every opponent that they're going to face. Well, and especially now that you have a two-headed monster instead of a one-headed monster that you thought you had last year, you realize, oh, we can just sub you guys in and out and destroy everybody? Okay. <laughs> well, uh, what, what I mentioned might be the zesty side of the conference. Turns out has uh, just no variance whatsoever. Uh, I have the same seven, so... Indiana, Rutgers, Michigan <laughs> State, Maryland, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. I'll say I was very close to putting Penn State number two over Ohio State. Um, I'm really curious to see uh, the, the new quarterback, who I assume will be McCord, uh, behind what is an unproven offensive line, to say the least. Uh, one that is the weak point. It would be a strong point for some schools, but for Ohio State and what we're used to, definitely a weak point. Uh, and putting it up against a Michigan defensive line or a pretty salty Penn State defense, I think there could be struggles there. So if McCord uh, or, or whoever wins the starting job isn't quite up to snuff there, and then they've got defenders breathing down their neck on a regular basis, I think it's possible that Ohio State game goes Penn State Penn State's way. Um, that said, I still have Ohio State at number two. I, I really have found I really 50-50 toss-up whether I lean towards talent versus continuity. Because I think Ohio State is still the most talented team. Nobody has anybody as talented as Marvin Harrison, and that receiver core is unbelievable. And I think JTT might have a, a really great season next year. And they, they have these splash players and these big, big um, – Travion Henderson could have a really good season. That said, there's a lot of really good running backs at the top of this league. Um, but for me, it's just looking at Michigan, I just don't see any holes. I just think they're, they're very complete. I, I do expect – a not not a major jump, but J.J. McCarthy will have gotten all the first-team reps, right? This is not something that he got last year. He, he didn't have all of spring and fall as the number one guy. He did this time. And so he's got time to make or develop more chemistry, to implement more into the offense. But And that's nasty because most of the time you're not going to need it. Blake Corham and Donovan Edwards are legitimately superstar running backs, and they share a backfield together so they stay extremely fresh. Um, I, I think Michigan's going to get Ohio State again this year. Uh, and I'm curious what what will be the response from Ohio State fans who will still have what I anticipate to be a 10-11 win season, but it's tough to lose three in a lower to Michigan. Um, but, yeah, uh, no, no, no zest at all in the East, turns out. Um, real quick, let's uh, give our <laughs> – go, Corey, go ahead. One thing that I really am excited to see is Drew Aller, the quarterback for Penn State, and see – like. I feel like there's been a hype train that I've heard down out West here. Like, like I'm really excited to see what he can produce and what that offense can do when they have a quarterback 
no offense to Sean Clifford, but of that caliber that everybody's kind of talking about. And like Brian said, if they, if he does do well, if he is a little bit transcendent, like can they catch Ohio state? Can they catch a Michigan? I don't think they will, but it'd be awesome if we can see a little bit tighter, crazier, closer games too. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the real wild card because Clifford is a, he's a good college quarterback. Yeah. But not doesn't have the arm talent that a Drew Drew Aller does, and I'm I'm curious in tandem with him to see Dante Cephas from Kent State, what what the step up looks like for him because should be a really good wide receiver by all means, um, but they really went to the transfer portal to to add weapons around uh, Drew Aller with Malik McLean from Florida State as well as uh, Cephas, who I think most people are projecting to be the number one uh, number one guy there. Um, but real quick, let's go through and just uh, – we'll give our champion because I don't think that's going to spoil too much. Uh, I, I can go ahead and say I have Michigan knocking off Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game. Uh, Steve, you want to give us your champion? Yeah, give me the Wolverines. Uh, it's funny. I was not a believer in Harbaugh and felt like through the first, what, four or five years of his tenure that he was just proving me right and proving me right and proving me right. And boy, is he – turned me into a believer in the last couple of years where they have seized control of the Big Ten. Um, I am choosing them to win their third straight. So, Corey, I'm it is for me. Indiana over Northwestern. Oh, wait, no, top teams. <laughs> Michigan over Iowa. I, I Literally, my voice couldn't have been any different than Steve's on what he said. Like, I was not a Harbor fan. I don't think you had it. I, granted, I, like – he did it over in the NFL and he kind of did it at Stanford, but I was like, that can't translate to a big conference and I'll shut up. I think the biggest thing for me in consideration is not, not only did Harbaugh get over the hump, but the players have now beat Ohio state two years in a row. There's a real belief in what you're doing and Hey, we let a chance slip with TCU, but we showed who we were. Um, and that, that's a, a huge thing. Cause when you have a, a, a rivalry that is, one-sided for a long period of time, that rival starts to become the boogeyman to you, where mm-hmm. Dabo Sweeney, the whole thing was he could have not beat South Carolina. Of course, he didn't beat them last year, but he'd roll out there with Taj Boyd and DeAndre Hopkins and Sammy Watkins and Andre Ellington, and he would lose to South Carolina. Um, and By it was, 14. Yeah, and it's five or six years uh, in a row that he loses that game, and then they get over the hump, and now it's like, oh, well, now that we know that we can beat them, we don't have to immediately shoot ourselves in the foot every time uh, we play on Rivalry Weekend. We can actually perform to our normal talent and potential yeah and I, I you could say what you will about Jimbo Fisher now uh he was a prophet in 2012 when after they won their first ACC championship he said there's a mentality change when you see yourself as a champion and you see yourself as having that capability and I think you've, you've seen that from Michigan right uh, obviously uh, tons of work and recruiting and, and development that, that those things all play a part of it but I think like you said, the mental aspect of just knowing, hey, we're confident going to this game that we're going to beat them. And not only are we going to beat them, we're going to break them in the fourth quarter. They're going to give up. They're going to, you know, just keep 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 our heads down, keep working, and we know keep chopping the tree is going to fall. Uh, I think it's a powerful, powerful thing that Ohio State has to prove isn't the case this year. I know that there's also talk about, like, if Ryan Day doesn't beat Michigan, is his job in jeopardy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you got any of y'all buy that? No. It, it would take a bad year. I think if you're going 11-1 and one and you're consistently losing to Michigan, it takes probably five losses in a row. Like, 11-1 and one is a really good season. 
And for anyone to reasonably say this is fireable is pretty ridiculous. I, I, I get that you don't want to lose your rival, but... Oh, oh sorry, Ryan. I saw some no, predictions that have Ohio State and Michigan making the semifinals or making the college playoff. Again? So, yes, along with two SEC teams. That was an interesting one to see. Oh, boy. <laughs> They're already talking those bigger power two conferences. We'll see. We'll see if the the Longhorns or the Trojans or Clemson Tigers, there's a lot of people who might have something to say about it. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Uh, Steve, do you want to give us a quick uh, combined before we move on to the ACC? Yeah, here is our predicted order of finish. And in fact, I'll, I'll zoom it in more, not less, rather, so that we can kind of see. So our choices to win the East, obviously Michigan, Ohio State. This one's chalk, right? This was the exact same. That was very easy for me just to hit little, you know, control R and copy it to the right for a couple of columns. Um, can I say we match what the media says exactly? Oh, we do? Yeah. <laughs> See, I made a point to not look at any of this Me stuff. too. I decided not to look at it until I did my ratings. And it's actually kind of like I said, there's a quite a few steps. Like it goes 248 uh, total votes for Michigan, 27 first place votes, eight first place votes for Ohio State, 226 points, two first place votes for Penn State, 192 points, Maryland, 143, Michigan, 105, Rutgers 74, and Indiana 48. So it's, like, pretty tiered. Interesting. Again, to the to the West, or the best division, uh, in terms of just being more fun and, and maybe a little bit more uncertainty, collectively we have Wisconsin as our division winner, uh, Iowa one point behind, then followed by Illinois, Minnesota right in the middle, Nebraska just toward the bottom, uh, or the bottom side of the middle, I should say, at the five spot, six Purdue, and seven Northwestern. All right, do you want me to compare us to the media? Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, they have Wisconsin number one with 21st place votes at 233 points. One point behind them is Iowa at 16 first place votes, but 233 Are you serious? Points. I'm not kidding. Oh, that's crazy. Who's um, next? Minnesota is next at 176 oh, uh, points and one first place vote. Then Illinois at 152 points, Nebraska at 116, Boilermakers at 89, and Northwestern at 38. So we had one different from what the media said. Yeah, we flipped it one. Without, it ever, without even looking at it. It's, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I love how we right, we'll have a one-point difference, too. <laughs> <laughs> it also helps me to feel like, oh, maybe I'm not crazy uh, when I when I do these things. Because I'll put together my rankings, and I'm like, man, I hope this isn't super different than what everybody else had. And in the West, we did have really different rankings, but collectively we had exactly what <laughs> what the rest of the media thinks. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. There's, there's a little bit more variance in our picks. How the West feels themselves. They're like, uh... Yeah, kind of split of people who are high on Minnesota, people who are low, people who think Matt Rule is going to do something in year one, people who think he's not going to do anything in year one. You know, kind of combined okay. to, to make that same thing. Hey, Bright, do we, we want to do defensive players of the year, coaches of the year, et cetera, within this conference? Or Thank no? you. Caught me before I was moving on. Why don't you start off with your? We're doing coach of the year, offensive player of the year, and defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. Uh, we'll have Corey. Steve, are you not ready? I am not. All right. I forgot uh, about that part. I'll go in between and I'll vamp as much as I can. Uh, and, and you give us some awards there. But, Corey, why don't you kick us off? And Steve's smart enough to give it without any, you know, research off the top of his head. 
the other the two of us need our research. Um, so coach of the year, if Iowa wins the Big Ten West, you got to put Kirk Ferentz as coach of the year. And so that's what I got. Coach of the year finally got over the hump, showed it that what they can do. Um, along with that, if they win there, I think their defense has to be phenomenal. And so I picked the best defensive player on their team, Cooper Dijon. Uh, plays uh, safety over there. I think I saw read some stat. Let me see if I can find it. It's like he has like three out of his five interceptions last year. That's insane. Like just to get that rate. Um, I love a cornerback who, when they get the ball, goes into like death mode. I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna score. Whereas there's a lot of cornerbacks like oh I got it I'll lay down or I'll slide out or I'll just kind of like don't hit me. I like those ones that pick it off and they're like all right let's go. I'm gonna find the, the end zone or the other way. Um, and then player of the year, um, because I believe Michigan is so good and so dominant, I feel like I have to pick a player. But because they have a two-headed monster running back, I can't pick either running back. So I am – Steve said, what if J.J. McCarthy gets better? I do expect him to get better. better, And I think you're going to have to hand it to him as offensive player of the year. Um, I mean, you could just hand it to the whole offense or the offensive line in reality. Like, this team is incre- going to be incredible in my opinion. Yeah, and in teams where it seems to be um, pretty pretty balanced overall, it tends to be the quarterback who gets a lot of the, the plaudits. Look at Max Duggan at TCU where they had a good running game. They they had really elite wide receiver play from Quentin Johnson, uh, but ultimately Max Duggan. And, and not to put down Max Duggan, I thought he had a great season and his numbers were pretty gaudy by the end of it as well. He wasn't even the starter, um, though. Like, Yeah, but he wasn't going to be. Yeah. Um, that's, that's true. Um for my coach of the year, I I went similar to the route of Corey of West Side Division champion, and I went Luke Fickle in year one in the Big Ten as a head coach. I think if he can make some noise there early, um, especially doing it in style, because really we've seen Ohio State sling the ball around and Purdue sling the ball around, and that's kind of it in the Big Ten. Most of the other teams are a little bit more run-based, a little bit more um, – I guess traditional for the Big Ten uh, when we talk about the Big Ten offenses. This one will be interesting to see. They're not going to want to take the ball away from Braylon Allen too much, but it might be something that we're not used to seeing uh, in in the Big Ten as a whole. So Luke Fickle I have for Coach of the Year. Defensive Player of the Year I have Kalen King uh, at Penn State, the DBA cornerback. I think if you can knock off either Ohio State or Michigan, he gets a notable interception. Uh, that's that's got to be the one. I, I talked in our last podcast about how defensive player of the year, so usually somebody who gets numbers, I think he's got to get a handful of interceptions and maybe just one big one that seals a game, uh, and that could, could do the trick. After uh, Porter's gone now, I think he's probably the best defensive back in uh, in the Big Ten and, and one of the better ones in the country, so I've got him down. And then offensive player of the year, I, I kind of did the same thing as you, Corey. Where I was like, well, this usually happens to the team that, that wins. And I couldn't pick between them because I thought, I don't think J.J. McCarthy's going to have high enough numbers as a quarterback. I don't think Blake Corum or Edwards are going to have enough because they'll split it carries too much, which they'll be happy with. They just want the wins. And I chose Marvin Harrison. Uh, I think four times that that team may struggle, they have maybe the most talented player in the country. And he was unbelievable uh, all last season. Fantastic until he got knocked out of the Georgia game in the playoff um, in the semifinal. I, I think he will have gaudy numbers. I think he will have incredible plays that we'll want to replay over and over again. So I'm picking him for Offensive Player of the Year, uh, even though I have Ohio State finishing second in that division. It's funny that you say that, Brian, because that was my other like 
person I was going to go to. I, just, I think he's so, so good. I do think that other, the issue is, is I know Ohio State's got an offensive like wide receiving core that is insanely good. But if I am covering them, I'm cover two like him all the time. I'm putting safety over the top of him. He's going to catch three balls against me for 146 yards and a touchdown. But, like, I don't want him catching more than three balls. And so for that reason, I'm like, I can't quite put him up there. No, totally fair he's, reasoning. He sure is going to garner a lot of attention, um, but it's kind of pick your poison there against that Ohio State wide receiver room. Um, for mine, I, again, uh, kind of uh, what seems like a more obvious pick to me with, you know, if Brett Bielema and the fighting Illini do win the West, I would anticipate him to win coach of the year. So that's going to be my choice for coach of the year, defensive player of the year. Give me chop Robinson on Penn state. I think Kalen King and you mentioned some of the, the coverage and, and the defensive, the, really the defense as a whole, but I think he also benefits from having that good coverage on the back end to, to get after the passer. And I expect him to have a strong year uh, with Manny Diaz's scheme. It's just, can he put together enough sacks? I think so. We'll see. Uh, so that's my defensive player of the year. And my offensive player of the year is also JJ McCarthy. I think uh, if you're winning the league and the, the backs are splitting carries and you're chucking the ball deep here and there and scoring and leading the, uh, leading the team to another big 10 championship, the voters will go for that. Um, but there's definitely a, a lot of options you could go with. Um, yeah. Ohio state's skill positions is a pretty good place to look. If you're looking for a, a backup. That's going to do it for our Big Ten preview. We're actually going to split this into two separate parts, so you can check out our next podcast for the ACC preview. Make sure to follow us on, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, whatever place you're listening to us. Subscribe if you're on YouTube, and make sure to like the video so that way other people can come across the same good content and lock in for the preseason as we get close to college football season. We'll catch you on the next pod.